This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath. This is the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. They say that your health is your wealth and leads to a stronger longer and happier life and even better relationships physical mental emotional spiritual relational and yes even sexual that's the cue to put the kids to bed we always uncover what lies beneath the covers on this program listener discretion is advised i have a passion for evidence-based health information to guide you so that the life you lead is indeed the best it can be my aim is to provide you with up-to-date information so that you know There are options for treatment, so do speak to your medical doctor about any issues that you might be having. Tonight, we're going to be talking about strata living. Between secondhand smoke, cannabis coming to Canada, surviving a heart attack in a high-rise, our top strata lawyer in British Columbia, Paul Mendes, joins me to straighten it all out. We're also going to be talking about the benefits of streaking, or not, on the football field and our increasingly litigious nature here in Canada. What about wearing your bra to work? I would be fired (laughs) from several contracts that I have. Um, Also on the program, sober sex. It's not something that you think about because many people need a glass or two of wine in order to relax. This is the cue to put the kids to bed once again and perhaps grab that glass of wine so you can relax and listen to some health talk and perhaps even some sex talk. And although we've got a fun-filled, informative show right now, I do want to talk about, at this moment, I want to talk about the public inquiry into the nurse who actually has been accused of taking the lives of a number of patients. And one thing in particular, this alleged killer nurse abruptly quit her job after narcotics went missing at her long-term care home. Narcotic count is a duty of nurses. It's not regulated by the College of Registered Nurses. It, there is There are some guidelines under the Pharmacy Association, uh, the regulatory board for pharmacists. But um, this is an important aspect of nurses' jobs. Uh, In case you don't know this, at the beginning and the end of each shift, a a narcotic count is done. And this came up at where one of the contracts where I work and um, the importance of counting the narcotics at the beginning of the shift and counting them with somebody else at the end of the shift. So typically the ongoing The offgoing nurse counts it with the oncoming nurse. And some people didn't think it was all that important, but I had to point that out, the importance of it, because if you go, if you come on and somebody is not there, for example, another nurse to help you count, and so no count is done, and then you go to give meds a bit later, and you notice that maybe all the Tylenol number threes are missing or or all of the Ativan is missing, it's going to be on your shoulder. So this is a very critical aspect of a nursing job, and it was one, it was what... um, it was kind of the critical point in Elizabeth Wettloffer's situation. She quit her job at the Meadow Park Long-Term Care in London, Ontario, the day after a large amount of narcotics went missing. So that was an interesting point. The other thing that I want to say is aging at home, aging in place, very important. This is something that you want to do. There are a number of risks when people go into long-term care facilities. One of the main reasons people go into long-term care facilities is because they leak urine. Yes, not the sexiest subject I'm starting out with tonight, but a critical one nonetheless. And uh, so you don't want to be in a long-term care facility, especially if there are nurses there that are not looking after your health and well-being. Uh, This uh, particular nurse... 
stole, allegedly stole the medications, the narcotics, and then she spent the weekend in the hospital after overdosing, and that was what the public inquiry had heard. She resigned from her job as a nurse at the Meadow Park in late September 2014, claiming that she had an illness that prevented her from working as a nurse. And less than a month before, she killed Arpad Horvath, who was 75 and living in that nursing home. And uh, this is, um, you know, this doesn't happen too often, but when it does happen, it's it's just a horrific situation. Um, For the first time that the wet... Lawfer inquiry had heard from a former employee of Meadow Park, the last place that Wet Lawfer was known to have killed someone under her care. It, this really breaks my heart because, as you know, I'm a registered nurse and it's very difficult to hear. I have a very high standard of, for nursing care and I manage a number of clinics. And uh, recently, one of the nurses that I was uh, orienting to the shift, um, you know, I, I was just reminding him that. All of the documentation had to be completed. All of the questions needed to be asked. The assessment was important from head to toe and everything in between. And then, and then, of course, I'm always on about documentation, which is critical, especially if any of these cases um, go to litigation. And because when you're reviewing, I actually do some nursing expert witness work. And uh, so I'm um, pretty familiar with what needs to be written, what needs to be documented. And it's, it's, uh, often nurses will um, will document as carefully as they should. Um, so that's something. So he any, anyway, this particular nurse accused me of OCD, if you can believe that, <laughs> that I was just because based on my high standard of care, because I think it's very important that uh, I think people are have that right that they expect to have the highest standard of care. Um, and so we see something like this. We see a red flag, um, a large amount of narcotics go missing. They don't actually go to her because she resigned um, the next day. You know, when these things happen, they are just horrific. Um, and, you know, the nurses, everyone who works with this particular person will feel badly about that. But it was those missing narcotics that led to the police probe. And and so that is... Um, Really what I'm focusing on and, and really giving that information to nurses and, and doctors out there and anybody who works with medication, um, what had happened here was in, on September 26, 2014, a pharmacist delivered four bags of medication to Meadow Park and a registered nurse took the medication and that included narcotics. There, there actually should be account, um, an accountability at that point as well. Um, and then the next day or a couple of days um, later, she had resigned. Um, this woman allegedly had a drug and alcohol problem, and she had spent that weekend in the hospital after overdosing. And, you know, this is something we're going to be talking about on the program tonight is alcohol consumption. I am stunned at how many people don't realize just how uh, important it is to ensure that uh, drinking alcohol, especially as we're on the cusp of legalizing cannabis, um, but drinking alcohol, how that can impact your relationship. It may impact the the intimate frequency in your relationship. It may impact the the bickering, how you're getting along. It may also impact certain things in your life. You might not be able to get on a plane. You might have accidents. You may actually faint, um, pass out, hit your head. You are at risk for breaking your neck. There are a number of things that it can lead to, but many people, and, and oftentimes I, I find in my clinical practice, 
those who are living with people who are drinking, A, don't even know, and B, don't even realize the impact or the negative impact that this could be having on their relationship. So we're going to be talking a little bit about addiction tonight. Um, and, and in this particular case, uh, it was known that this woman had an addiction issue, but she was not reported to the college uh, allegedly. So, you know, it's it's important. That's why it's important to age at home, to be able to stay in your home. There are a number of treatments for urinary incontinence, leakage of urine, the number one reason for admission to long-term care facilities in this country. And and so as a nurse continence advisor, you can always email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com and ask me questions about it. There are a number of treatments. There are so many advancements today, especially we have, we certainly have um, medications to treat it. We also have conservative measures. There are pelvic floor muscle exercisers. There's a new high-intensity and frequency electromagnotherapy for urinary incontinence. And, and so it's, it delivers 11,200 pelvic floor muscles in one sitting, which is 28 minutes in length. And so, you know, we're always advancing technologically on these quality-of-life issues, such as leakage of urine. So I'm excited to see any of these uh, new advances in um, in technology that that can help us to lead better, happier, longer, and more fulfilled lives. Now, if you have any questions at all to ask me or my fine guests tonight, we have Paul Mendes of Mendes L'Esperance Law out of Vancouver, British Columbia on the program. He's going to be talking about all the legal things that have affected relationships and life and, and intimacy uh, this week. Um, we're going to be talking about that with Paul. So if you have a question for Paul or my guest a little bit later on in the program, Olivia LaRue, who is a courtesan. And uh, so you can give us a call at the number to call is one 399 9898 or, yeah, or you can email me, nursetalk at com. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I'm a registered nurse and a nurse continence advisor and a sexual health educator. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but that's, that's why I brought Paul Mendes in from Lesbron's Mendes Law in Vancouver, British Columbia, to talk about some of the things that have, have been that have been happening in the news lately. And um, what's as sexy as the law, really, Paul? Welcome <laughs> to the that's show. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming in. So the first subject I want to talk to you about is um, how the alleged streaker, because he right. actually wasn't a streaker. He actually had his underwear yes. on. Yes, yes. And how I mean. he ran onto the field of the National Canadian Football League game between the Montreal Alouettes and the Lions, the BC Lions, and now he's suing because, as many outlets have reported, he was leveled by one of the players. Mm-hmm. I like how they've reversed that, right? <laughs> So it's not like he kind of interrupted the game. He didn't really have all of his clothes on. And, uh, you know, this is Canada. Are we becoming as litigious as the U.S.? And does this guy have a case? <laughs> he all, has a case. He is questions. a case. But good, does he have a case? Yes, he definitely has a, a case of some kind. Um, one of the first things that I was curious to know was whether he did qualify as a streaker because he was, he was, um, labeled as a streaker by the media, but then I did some legal research and I found a legal definition of streaking, but it comes from that song, The Streak, (laughs) from the 1970s. And it's, here he comes, look at that, look at that, there he goes, look at that, look at that. He ain't wearing no clothes. (laughs) So officially, this man wasn't a streaker. He was wearing a jersey, a helmet, 
and his underwear. <laughs> Will the courts go by that? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to be the defense lawyer saying you know, he wasn't actually streaking. Exactly. I have this song from 1972. <laughs> what, what I found interesting about the case, Maureen, was um, the whole idea of him suing them for this. Because certainly when you go into a... Uh, uh, venue like BC Place, you will see warnings posted all over the place that unruly behavior will be met with expulsion. I'm paraphrasing. And it says the same thing on the back of your ticket for those people that still use paper tickets when they they come in. And uh, certainly uh, someone who runs on the field should be apprehended uh, and taken away. And then we have scenarios like we saw in the news, uh, like Bataclan in uh, Spain, where sometimes stadiums are viewed as soft targets for um, acts of violence. Mm-hmm. So you could see people being very concerned about a man that you know jumps the barrier and starts running down the field. So I could appreciate why... Uh, in some circumstances, an athlete might be justified in tackling him. Exactly. Well, he supposedly has a, a bit of a head injury or concussion, mm. and he's not feeling too well. And that's what little... happens when you <laughs> when run up, run into a well-trained uh, professional <laughs> football player. Exactly. Yes. No surprise there. But does that? Do the injuries uh, help his case? The injuries uh, certainly. He what he what the problem that he has is this whole idea of he's actually violating their terms of service. He's technically trespassing onto the field um the clearly he should be taken off the field as soon as possible uh and then you have as i said to you the football player can say i'm very concerned for safety so that's why i acted quickly and and uh hit him right on the numbers the uh, problem i thought for the players in this in this defense that they're likely to mount uh, is that they were all high-fiving each other and dancing around like they had just scored a touchdown, oh. <laughs> which kind of is going to make it, it's going to make it hard for a judge, I think, to accept that they were afraid of this uh, fellow running right, across right. there. But I think at the end of the day, what's likely to happen in that case, I don't want to predict how things can go because you never know in court. I mean, the case is likely to be settled. That, that usually That's happens. What my, that was going to be my prediction because it seems that all the cases have a tendency to settle. And that's uh, thanks to insurance. You know, they don't want to spend money uh, fighting if they can dispose of the cases a lot quicker through settlements. Uh, but, you know, if it was to go to trial, I think that what you'd see in a, in a ruling there is that he would be found contributorily responsible for his injuries, maybe even all of them. Mm-hmm. And you'll see an apportionment possibly of liability where a lot of it gets uh, put on the the person. There's a v- voluntary assumption of risk when you decide to run onto a field full of gigantic football there players. certainly is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, will we see some copycat behavior here as well, especially if this guy is going to land a rather large settlement. Right. Well, we probably will not know whether he lands a large settlement or not because those are typically uh, confidential. I certainly hope the video is enough to deter people from trying. Well, I was thinking of running onto the field and getting a a large cash settlement myself. (laughs) Clothed, of course. (laughs) Well, he he was clothed too. He was clothed, exactly. (laughs) Yes, we're going to be talking about female clothing a little bit. Well, shortly, we're going to be talking about whether women should uh, have to wear bras or not um, mm. when they go to work. Uh, and there, we have another case that's, that's interesting as well. But, um, but, you know, just the fact of, you know, he ran on, he 
you know, he, he's not going to be thrown in jail. He's not going to be charged. No. He's actually suing. Yes. <laughs> so it's hard to get your head around that. He may end up being charged with something because there is, you know, there that was quite mischievous. And I know that people can be charged with minor offenses for those sorts of things. Uh, and, and certainly if he was injured, and I have no doubt that he would be because I can't imagine what it must be like as someone who's untrained to be hit by somebody that, that, that big. Size. It must and be devastating. Absolutely. Did he just block him or did he actually run into him? It looked to me like it was a a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think, you know, that player could probably have hit him a lot harder. But the reality is he trains for that. So, I mean, an average exactly. person, yeah. uh, even a physically fit average person is going to be floored by that. Oh, kind of yeah, force. yeah. And that might have been an automatic response on the part of the player, too. Indeed. Right? That is what he is trained to do. As would the high fives and dancing that would around. That an automatic <laughs> response. That's just a male response. <laughs> That's, That's just That is just guys celebrating guys, you the know. like bumps, the high fives. <laughs> you know, I can work on a project with a whole bunch of women and it's just like, okay, thanks. See you later. Have a nice weekend, <laughs> right. you know. And then, but but you work with guys, and they're just like, "We're going out for drinks. That's we are <laughs> slapping ourselves on the back. We are partying here." That's you right. know, um, yeah, it's a, it's a completely different celebratory process between Indeed. men and and women. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I digress. But it's interesting, and you've got to wonder: Are we becoming as litigious as the U.S.? Um, where, you know, it seems every, you know, people are so fearful around Mm -hmm. litigation because, Mm -hmm. as you say, it is extremely expensive. Uh, It's extremely expensive to go to court. It's difficult to get a court date even. So this Mm -hmm. likely won't be settled for maybe could be quite some time could be years in fact could be years that it takes to settle you know i'm not sure that we're becoming a more litigious society i mean we've always been pretty litigious here um we tend to hear more about uh these extreme cases coming from the u.s simply because they're reported more closely than they are here yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I will. I'll begin to keep an eye on this one, and uh, hopefully, we'll have some more news on it soon. Absolutely. Remember, you've got your underwear on. You are not streaking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the rule. You heard it here from Paul Mendes of Mendes Lesperance Law Firm. He's going to remain with me because we're going to be talking about another article of clothing: whether women should be told to wear bras or not. Thanks so much for being here with me this evening. It's always my pleasure to be here with you on the Sunday Night Health Show. And so do stay with me. We're heading to the news. And when I come back, we're going to be reviewing all of those sexy and wonderful, wild and luscious and delicious lawsuits that are out there. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you tonight. If you have any questions for me, 1-877-399-9898. Or you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. I'm going to be reading your emails a little bit later. Uh, but right now, I have Paul Mendez in the studio with me. He is a lawyer. Uh, he works at uh, Les Brants Mendes Law in Vancouver, British Columbia. And we are talking about all of the things that relate to sexuality uh, that are in the news these days. And one of them is, um, so it's, it's employment. I guess it falls under employment law and, and human rights. And uh, so, Paul, thanks for staying here You're in welcome. the studio with me. I am wearing a bra tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a chance if I didn't, uh, I might not have a job. <laughs> Apparently, there's an, uh, a waitress in Asoyas, British Columbia, who has filed a human rights complaint after the manager 
demanded that she wear a bra. So is this, this is um, the waitress is Christina Schell, and she is filing human rights complaint against her former boss after he unfairly demanded she must wear a bra at work. So um, I see you're blushing, so <laughs> stop that right now. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, what's the deal here? <laughs> Very interesting. Um, we, you know, we have a server who... Uh, uh, had some complaints made to management that she wasn't wearing a bra. Those were the patrons, uh, the I gather. Patrons, I, wasn't I sure think. From the uh, yeah, it could yeah. have been coworkers. I yeah. don't think it's specified in the media. I mean, anyone can make those kinds of complaints to uh, an employer. I was joking uh, earlier with my wife. I, I said, uh, I wonder who complained. Was it the men guests or the women guests? You know the, what? I had the same the thought, club. and <laughs> I and I thought it must have been the women could because be. I bet the men were looking at the breasts and the women were upset. <laughs> by that could be and then it leads to the whole sexual desire low sexual desire sexless marriage we can go on a whole other tangent but we won't we'll bring it back to the table (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) i'm gonna be talking about that later on in the program too but right now we're talking about can somebody actually demand that you wear a bra yeah so so they so they'd received complaints and certainly you know an employer has the right to dictate policies. Uh, Many employers have dress codes. You go to many places, uniforms are to be worn while at work. Uh, Some of them are uniforms you put together and some of those are ones that the employer uh, asks you to wear. And uh, the interesting thing about this one is it wasn't really part of the uniform uh, that was the issue. And in response to the complaints, the employer required all employees. They didn't just single out the complainant in this case, but they required all employees to sign this dress code. And and all female employees had to agree to wearing a bra, wearing but a the, bra. the male employees didn't have to wear a bra. That that they didn't have to cover their nipples. <laughs> Just saying. That, <laughs> Just that's saying. true. That's true. They did not have to. So it was something that specifically uh, uh, targeted the women employees. Um, so she claims uh, that uh, this was discriminatory because she has some. Um, uh, health issue. It wasn't specified as to what it was, but it basically prevents her or makes it difficult for her to wear a bra right. uh, under her clothes. And there are a number of painful breast conditions that women can have. Uh, women can have uh, be prone to mastitis if they're breastfeeding. I mean, there's a number of, uh, they, there can be dense breasts uh, that women have or, um, you know, after breastfeeding, certainly breasts sag, and that can be uncomfortable, especially if for women wearing a bra. So there are a number of health conditions. Right. So in order for her to advance her claim, she's going to have to prove that she has some disability and that this policy that they would require her to wear a bra would adversely impact her uh, disability. Um, so the employer in that situation, once a person can establish that they have a disability, the, the, the onus then shifts to the employer. They have to accommodate uh, that person's uh, disability. Uh, and in a case like this, it might be um, looking at other ways to solve whatever problem her not uh, wearing a bra would have uh, some other way of addressing it that doesn't involve bra wearing. Uh, it could also involve a reassignment mm-hmm. of uh, duties to some place where she could work that is not... Desk job. A desk job, maybe, <laughs> or, or something that doesn't involve uh, dealing with uh, the same members uh, over and over. But, uh, you know, certainly it, it it's something that um, even though the average person might not be or might be surprised about it, I, I don't find that case particularly surprising because if a person does have a disability, mm-hmm. uh, the law is the employer must accommodate. Right. Interesting. She doesn't want her job back. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to raise awareness. She wanted to raise she awareness. She wanted to give the girls some coverage. You know, I, <laughs> she I, has. I think there's, uh, there's something happening um, among the servers uh, in, in BC. We had that, uh, there was that change in the legislation that now allows uh, servers, female servers, to choose their footwear. Absolutely, right? because the, the mandatory high heels were banned in British Columbia workplaces. That's right. Last I, year, I think I, it was. I'm glad to see a little bit of activism around these things because I think being a server is is difficult. I've been, you know, in bars and restaurants in my life, and I know being a female server in particular exposes you to certain types of behaviors, uh, behaviors from customers that uh, most men would probably never encounter in their own jobs. That's right. And I just uh, want to put a, call, a little notice out there. Uh, if, what do you think out there, listeners? Do you think that this woman should be mandated to wear a bra? Um, do you think all waitresses should be wearing a bra? I mean, there are some restaurants that actually promote cleavage and, right. um, you know, and hire based on the size of a woman's breast. So what, what do you think of the situation? If you have an opinion, give us a call. one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Um, so do you think she has a case if she has a health condition? She, if she can establish that she has a health condition and that requiring her to wear a bra would uh, adversely impact her her uh, disability, then I would say yes, indeed, she does have uh, a case. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether they did offer her any other positions or anything like that or any other solutions to it. Uh, sometimes people in, in her situation might be offered some mm-hmm. way of accommodating, but they reject it. Mm-hmm. Um, even a person with a disability has to be reasonable in whether they accept the employer's accommodation efforts right. or not. So, yeah. And this is a human rights case. So uh, the Human Rights Tribunal. Right. And so it's really kind of a, a place to mediate. It, Oh, no. Well, certainly there is mediation is a very important aspect Mm -hmm. of the Human Rights Tribunal's function, but a lot of them end up not being resolved and they do go to uh, decisions and hearings are made and people are ordered to pay damages and and things like that. And what percentage of that? uh, That I don't know, but uh, if if it's similar to court, I would imagine most cases get resolved. Okay. Uh, you know, most people are are anxious to resolve them as quickly as possible. So mm-hmm. there's a natural tendency to do that. But this one is one I'm going to keep an eye out on because I do find it uh, uh, interesting in terms of uh, just the unusual aspect of what her disability was and and this requirement to wear um you know, undergarments of a, of a specific kind of undergarment does seem uh, unusual to me. Right. It seems like the streaker got the memo to wear the undergarments, <laughs> but she didn't. Go. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> well, oh. um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, you're, you're a top strata lawyer. Oh, um, thank you. In Canada <laughs> and <laughs> soon the U.S. Oh, um, no, uh, top strata lawyer here. And stratas, uh, we, have, we have like 50% of people in in the lower mainland uh, living in uh, multi type of residence. That's right. They're all yeah, living together. Yeah. So that can pose a lot of problems. It's hard enough to live with the people that you're related to or that you've given birth to, never mind being in such close proximity to other people. And so mm-hmm. that can cause a lot of problems as well. And one of the problems is that if you're living on a uh, high rise, uh, living in a high rise on the 31st floor, the 40th floor, if you have heart attack symptoms, you are less likely to actually survive that. Mm-hmm. Um, not all uh, there's an AED um, automatic external defibrillator that is um, a beneficial device. I've used it a number of times myself, um, 
And um, we're just going to take our uh, – we have a caller first, which we're going to grab first. And that's Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? You are calling from St. Albert's, Alberta? Yes. Oh, nice. I, was thinking, I told your, your screener I missed if this lady had a health condition or not. Okay. I missed that part of the conversation. But if you're going to be at work, wear your bra. Now, if you have, if it's uncomfortable to wear the the wired ones, get the ones without the wire or possibly the sports bras. But to me, when you're out, you have a, you wear one. Okay, so what if uh, you have a thick sweatshirt on? You may perhaps you're not well so well endowed. One is not so well endowed, and and they're wearing a, a he, you know heavy shirt. Do you think this is across the board that all women should wear bras? Well, I'm work? one of the ones. Yes, well, okay, well, see, I'm one that's not well endowed. Okay, I'm, I'm very small, on the small end. And, but if, you, if you're at work, yes, wear a bra. Even if you are, if you, okay, if you're so, covered um, up and it's. If and, you're wearing a, if you're wearing a super thick sweater, maybe not, but. Yeah, so it's so so you think women and and because it can be distracting at work for mainly men, I guess. I don't That's know. A good about guess. It's distracting, but it just doesn't look professional. And I and I'm not saying professional as in the just the business type because I don't, I don't even work in that industry. I just don't think it's appropriate to. At least not wear some wear something. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I had a, a patient in my clinical practice this week, and and he was talking about some of the things. His his wife was having an affair, and so I was talking to him about some of the things that he may have done to contribute to his wife stepping outside of the marriage. And he said, um, you know, that he going back, he would dictate what she what he wanted her to wear what he didn't want her hmm. to wear and one of those things was a a low cut dress he didn't want her to wear as i as i just slowly <laughs> made sure my cleavage wasn't showing <laughs> as he said this at work <laughs> um but he was mandating his to his wife what she should wear that she shouldn't wear a v-neck that showed that revealed her cleavage and hmm. you know this is this is one thing and he said you know she's mine and i don't want anyone else looking at her you know, which which is interesting. I mean, this is a, a, a subject that, um, you know, has broad appeal, shall we say. Or, you know, there's many different ways that it actually can play out. It can be seen in many different ways. That, that situation can be seen in different ways. You're right. Yeah. And it's tough to, you know, I mean, you know, it's part of a, a woman, her cleavage or her breasts and, you know, part of her sexuality. And, you know, we bring that to wherever we go. But but no, I really appreciate your calling and and um, and your input on that uh, women should wear bras at work. I, I actually don't I don't think it's a bad idea myself, to be honest. Anyway, um, so, Paul, uh, we're going to go to break, but we're going to come back and talk about um, cannabis because we're looking at, and so the effect of cannabis on stratas, and also, um, is your life at greater risk? <laughs> Are you at greater risk of dying um, by living in uh, on the 31st floor, 58th floor of a building? And um, it'll be interesting about the cannabis in Canada. Um, we, we have some smoking. There have certainly been some cases across the country 
country around smoking in stratas and secondhand smoke, and there are tremendous dangers to secondhand smoke, um, and which we'll um, review when you when you come back. So thanks so much for staying in the studio and you're talking welcome. about uh, these all of these subjects. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Well, we've got some hot topics on the program and some we just can't even let go. And that's Dale, who is calling from Maureen? C- CHQR 770 in Calgary. Yes, is that Dale? Thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank you for calling in. When you talk about uh, girls wearing bras to work, I, I've heard many women over my years say about men walking on the beach, they should be wearing a bra. Well, some of them should. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you're on they should more... wear a bro. <laughs> maybe you're on more beaches than I am. <laughs> Have you seen some of those men? Men, <laughs> there are there are men man boobs. Some guys have man boobs. <laughs> I have to admit, no, I don't look. But I, I certainly look at a woman, and I certainly look at a woman at work as well. Well, I look at a, I look away at men who have man boobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to make that comment. That, I, I appreciate that comment. That, thank you very much. It's true. And, you know, um, anyhow, there's no end, as I said, to that. This subject, well, thanks, Dale, for calling in from Calgary on QR. That's so nice to have those folks listening now. Okay, so we're getting back to the the tall buildings mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and living in the tall buildings, which are typically stratas, um, a collection of people living together. But is your life at greater risk uh, living on that the top one of the top floors in those buildings because of a lack of AEDs? Mm-hmm. And what are the legal implications um, for that? So an AED is an automatic external defibrillator. It's those pad, pads that are applied to the chest, across the heart, one kind of diagonally on the and it's very easy to use. Slap them on. It actually gives you the directions simple many many lives have been saved as a result so um do you do you suggest people invest in their own <laughs> uh well uh, th- this came about uh, because there was a story in the media recently about uh, the higher you live in an apartment building the more and the more likely you are to die if there is a uh, heart attack if you have a heart attack mm-hmm. and uh, that's simply due to the fact that it becomes harder for emergency responders it takes longer for them to right. uh, reach you and certainly if there's another emergency Emergency taking place in which the elevators uh, are not uh, functioning, then it's going to take them even longer. Right. So some stratas are looking at having AEDs uh, installed, uh, and uh, so and, and a concern will naturally be: well, if we install one of these, are we uh, exposing ourselves to some uh, liability? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer to that is, generally speaking, no. We don't have. Uh, if you're not an emergency responder, you're not treated the same way as someone who uh, is a a good Samaritan or a bystander who attempts to uh, render help and use one of those devices. And um, they're fairly simple to use. They use pictures to illustrate Mm -hmm. how they are to be used. I don't know what the data is on how effective they are in Mm -hmm. helping people in those situations, Mm -hmm. Uh, but certainly there must be some evidence of that. Yeah, yeah. No, they're pretty darn good, which brings me to another question. We're not going to get to cannabis right now. We're going to have to wait till the next hour. But my other question is this, and I said to my friend, it's too embarrassing for me to ask that question. (laughs) 
I'm embarrassed that you're my friend, uh, but I'm going to ask it now because sure. I realize she had actually had a few people over. They'd had a few drinks, a few mm-hmm. too many, I think. But one of the guys became abusive, and she actually phoned the police. And mm. the police said, well, actually, it wasn't the police. It was the um, dispatcher who said, it sounds like you've been drinking. <laughs> and so she said, it sounds like a domestic. And you know what? If you've been drinking, then, you know, she had to call the police three times for them to come. This guy made created so much damage oh on her deck, um, fell through her kitchen window, uh, red wine all over. You know, she'd had a few drinks, but she was fine. You know, this was recently? She was fine, yeah. And um, and she was incensed, and she was actually fairly traumatized afterward. Now, you know, she's a bit of a party girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, but, you know, the, they have a responsibility to respond, and it took them a long time to respond, for the mm-hmm. police to actually respond. I'm surprised by that one, especially yeah. because of the concern that we have over anything domestic I right know. now. The police I was, are supposed to take that very seriously. Yes, yes. I'm surprised to she hear that called a cab for him and he you know they the cabs kept leaving because he kept he couldn't make it down to the driveway because he was falling over shrubs and mm-hmm. you know and and then he punched her what he actually did he punched oh her goodness. twice in the face and, well, I wouldn't uh, recommend a defibrillator in that situation. A good taser might, <laughs> might have helped. That might work. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that relationship might actually need a little resuscitation. Right. But she wasn't actually even in a relationship with him. And she didn't know him My that goodness. well. He, he was a friend of some other friends that had been there that she'd invited. But they left and he took. Anyway, he did, they didn't take him with them. Needless to say. Anyway, so lots of great subjects. But we are going to, if you don't mind, can you stay Absolutely. for a little bit longer? Sure. We're going to talk about cannabis in Canada and um, what what that's going to look like, especially in strata world and especially in um, the law, in the courts, because I mm-hmm. think it, there'll be some issues and some situations. And um, anyway, it might take a long time for the judge to actually bring down the gavel <laughs> if he starts engaging in, uh, you know, sampling the evidence. Exactly. Yeah. And, and certainly I'm sure that has occurred in the past. Paul Mendes of Lesperance Mendes is my guest this evening. And uh, stay with with me because we're going to be talking about cannabis in Canada. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you, my friends, you out there in Calgary, Winnipeg, and Edmonton, Vancouver, are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.